Welcome, welcome, welcome to another edition of Who Says No. I feel like I sound a little more chipper than I maybe should. I don't know that this is a negative podcast, at least compared to some of the other emergency pods that we've done. But I don't even know if I'd call this an emergency pod because this news broke 12 hours ago. I don't know. Time has lost all meaning in the playoffs. But I am one of your hosts, Sam Quinn. Joining me to talk about the developing situation with the Dallas Mavericks is my co-host, my friend, my, I can't think of a third thing to say, Colin Ward-Henninger. Colin, how are you doing? You call me your friend. That's really, you know, that that's touching. I don't know if you've said that yet in an introduction. So, uh, you well, know, that really hits home for me. I hope that you knew. I would say at this point, we've spent so much time talking about basketball and about life that you should know that we're friends at this point. It is a little strange in the 2021 world that we live in. We've never actually met in person, Sam, which is very, very uh, strange. I've never seen your face either. We've never Zoomed. We've been on calls together, but when we do, this is a little inside baseball, when we do staff calls for CBS Sports, Colin does not show his face. It's just the picture. that It's the same one he uses for Skype. He never does video on Zoom calls. You know, I'm not going to say that I have a big disfiguring scar or burns on my face, but that could be the case, or it could be that I just uh, do not like the way that I look in the morning, and I would rather not have that uh, recorded for posterity. Apropos of nothing, CBS Sports staff meetings are always in the morning, which is very hard for those of us on the West Coast. But I digress. We're not here to talk about our work lives. Well, we kind of are because we work in basketball. And we have a very important basketball situation to discuss today. And that is that the Dallas Mavericks are apparently on fire. Not in the good way, not in the Kevin Durant way, but in the, oh my God, what is going on sort of way. To give a brief recap of everything that's happening, earlier this week, a big story in The Athletic, alleged that there was a rift between Luka Doncic, the greatest young player to ever exist in the NBA, and Colin, what is his title again? He is the Director of Quantitative Research and Development. Yes, this guy, Haralla Bob Volgaris, who you might have heard on podcasts years ago. He did Bill Simmons a few times. I believe he did Zach Lowe. A professional gambler turned whatever it was that Colin just said, essentially a high-level front office executive for the Dallas Mavericks, there is apparently a rift between Luka Doncic and this professional gambler. That rift stems from a number of different directions, but apparently the crux of it is that this professional gambler has apparently taken over the entire Dallas Mavericks front office. He is dictating rotations to Coach Rick Carlisle. He is initiating trade talks with other teams. And apparently Luka is not a fan of A, this person, or B, his body language. At one point during a game, he pointed, or I don't want, I don't know what he, exactly it was that he did. He pointed at Luca. He did something, essentially saying to calm down. And I mean, especially to an NBA player, but really to any human being. Colin has has calmed down ever once worked on you. Um, it reminds me of when I was growing up playing baseball, and I would walk four guys in a row, and my coach would look at me and be like, "Hey, hey, throw strikes." Like, oh, thanks, Yeah, that's coach. really helpful. I, I really, thought of that. I, uh, I was trying to walk these guys on purpose as an eight-year-old crying Wait, on the mound. Hang on. Walking four guys in a row, how does that work? Why are you still on the mound for the fourth guy? Uh, what are you, are they going to take me out? I'm a youth baseball player, man. This isn't like a high-leverage game. you got to work through your problems. Okay. I mean, I'm just saying, it seems like a bad situation where the manager is putting you in a position to fail. Anyway, oh, yeah, that but anyway, I also want to point out that uh, Mark Cuban did quote tweet the story from The Athletic and use some choice words calling it uh, total BS. So who knows? So funny, Mark Cuban says that 
the next day, or was it two days later? I can't remember when the initial story broke. But anyway, very soon after, longtime Dallas Mavericks general manager Donnie Nelson, the man who drafted Dirk Nowitzki and, important for this story, Luka Doncic, is out after, what was it? It was 23 years, right? 24 seasons, so yeah, 24 probably 20 years. 24 seasons as Mavericks GM. He is out. He is, or was, I guess, or maybe still is, close with Luka. Obviously, after having drafted him, having scouted him, they would have developed something of a bond. And now Doncic, who is in Slovenia, we don't know this for sure, but we have heard that he plans to release a statement tomorrow. Yeah, by the time by the time this podcast is out, the statement may very well be out there. I'm not sure how time zones work in Slovenia. We have no clue what that statement will entail. Honestly, it's an unprecedented situation. When was the last time a player, I mean, I guess you could say maybe like a you know, a late career veteran might comment on something like this? When was the last time a player has been forced to comment on a developing front office controversy like this? I can't ever remember any story like this, right? I don't I mean, not that I can think of it. It's it's so weird on so many fronts. It's like first of all, it's like it's not like the coach got fired. Like, that's one thing. Like, you would expect, okay, a coach gets fired. What does the star player think about that? Like, it was a front office decision. Obviously, you mentioned these guys probably have a pretty tight relationship. But the second thing is, I don't, you know, use the word forced. I don't think he's being forced to do this. I think he just kind of wants to, which is probably kind of alarming for for the Dallas Mavericks. Like, Yeah, he has thoughts. <laughs> like, it's like he's about to release a Twitter thread. Or at least that's what he's <laughs> doing. Like, like, he has takes to fire out on this. And by the way, Donnie Nelson is out. We don't know what Haralabov Volgaris' situation is. Apparently, his contract is expiring. Kevin O'Connor of the Ringer seemed to indicate that he was going to be gone too, but nothing has been officially reported there. We don't know who's running the Mavericks right now. I've heard some people who report on that team more closely than we do suggest that Michael Finley would be the favorite to replace Donnie Nelson, the longtime player. Personally, my thought is, if you're replacing a GM who spent over two decades with your team, you should probably go outside the organization. And frankly, the Mavericks have some other issues internally, like that I, I guess we don't want to talk about too much, but that organization has not had a good few years. It might make more sense for them to bring in a new voice, period. So we really don't know who's running the team right now. Do you think that's what Luke is going to say? He's just going to be like, hey, guys, WTF, and then like just end Skype call. I'm trying to think of what the most extreme answer here would be. Like, well, I, I think, mean, we, I think we know what the most well, extreme answer is. That's probably what we're going to talk right. about. Okay. I'm trying to think of the like most extreme non-trade request answer. <laughs> I remember when Kobe demanded a trade in 2008 or 2007, whenever it was, he demanded that the Lakers rehire Jerry West as president of basketball operations. That made sense because Jerry West is the one who drafted him. Who would Luca demand? Like, could you see him saying, like, please hire Michael Finley? Do you think he's just going to say, I am disappointed by the decision? Like, I'm trying to think of what the extreme non-trade request is here. He probably would want, like, Igor Kokoshkov to be their head coach, even though the Suns already had him as their head coach and then didn't draft Luka. So this going to well, come full let's, circle. Let's play some musical chairs here like the Boston Celtics did. Rick Carlisle now runs the organization as GM. He gets to hire his own coach, and he hires Igor Kokoshkov. There, there we you go. go. Or, or Brad Stevens. Better yet, what if he hires Goran Dragic as the head coach? You got to do what you got to do at this point. I mean, we'll get into it as we get more into Lucas specifically, but 
this guy is so freaking good. I, I I think he knows. Like, talk about player empowerment. Like, he is the the Dallas Mavericks. And if there was any doubt about that, it was answered in this playoffs. Not only from how great he was, but from how not great Kristaps Porzingis was. So if there was any thought of maybe a one A one B situation, I mean, we I think we realized it's nowhere close to that. Yeah, it's a 1A and like a 9C. <laughs> That's um, like a, a middle seat on a Southwest flight. Right. I, I think the player empowerment portion of this is probably the right place to start. Because for years, what we've all said was the end game of player empowerment, the last level that we need to get to, like we're not really need to get to, but like the last level that we expect to get to would be a rookie free agent not re-signing with his team. To be clear, the way that first-round pick contracts work in the NBA is you have two guaranteed years, then you have two team option years. In the case of a player like Luka, those options are getting picked up, and Luka's already has been. And then, typically, you get a five-year rookie extension after the third year that kicks in after the fourth year. That will keep you with team control for either eight or nine years, depending on the option on the last year. That is typically what a player like Luka would do. The last stage of player empowerment would be for a player like Luca to say, you know what? I don't want to sign that first extension. I want to leave as soon as possible. I'll lay out the scenarios and how he could do that in a second. But I first just want to ask you broadly, Colin, let's say hypothetically, Luca went that route and said, I want out. What, what on earth do the Mavericks do about that? What's your reaction? I mean, this is so hard. I think, you know, you mentioned the Kobe Bryant trade request where, you know, it was, it was reported he's played his last game with the Lakers. Like, this is really happening. And then the Lakers are just kind of like, no, like, we're not going to trade you. I think you at least have to try that tactic for as long as you possibly can with Luka. Um, I can't imagine a scenario where he wouldn't be. I, I guess the question is, like, where would he go? And, we'll, you know, we'll talk about that. But. Most of the trade requests you've seen, like, you know, Anthony Davis uh, wanted specifically to go to the Lakers. James Harden wanted to go to the Nets or, or maybe the Sixers or whatever, but had certain targets in mind. I think if it's more of a general trade request, like, I just don't like it here anymore, I want to go, I think they can work with that. I think if he has a very specific target in mind, I think that would be a little bit more difficult for the Mavericks to deal with because then the other team knows that and everybody kind of gets in the bidding war, but... I think this all comes down to the fact that Luca is so good already. And we've talked about this on other podcasts, but normally uh, a player like him, you're trying to align with his timeline. You're trying to get other young players to kind of build and grow with him so that in five, six, seven, eight years, we have a title contender. It's a, but Luca's too good. He's already going to take any team and make them a title contender. So he's won so much overseas you know, in Europe, I don't think he has any interest in waiting and waiting until he reaches age 28, 29 to win titles. I think he wants to do that now. And if he's going to assert his authority, I think this might be the first step in doing something like that. OK, so before we talk about a trade request and where he might go, yada, yada, yada. And to be clear, let's let's just state this from the outset. We don't think he is going to ask for a trade. We don't think that he is going to get traded. Our expectation is that he remains with the Mavericks for a long time. Do you agree with me on that? 100%. Right. That's the expectation. We are just covering our bases here. But let's say that he does want to leave the Mavericks. I'm just going to lay out the quickest scenario in which he can do that through free agency. 
the typical path, as we've discussed, is for a rookie extension to kick in after that fourth year and go on for five years after that. The numbers that I have, and these are based on projection, would be if Luca signed a five-year extension with the Mavericks this offseason, which would kick in next season, it would pay him 201 point, around 0.4 million, a little bit more, if he didn't want to sign that contract. And the reason that so many rookie stars sign that contract is because if you don't, you're only an un, you're only a restricted free agent after the fourth year, to be clear. Your team can match any offer made to you. If you want to be an unrestricted free agent, which you can sign with any team you want, it's a little more complicated and it takes a little bit longer. The way that you would do that is that after the third year, which is where Luca is now, he would say, I do not plan to sign an extension. After my fourth year, which would be next offseason, I will instead take the qualifying offer. The qualifying offer is a predetermined number based on your draft position. It is a one-year contract. If you sign the qualifying offer, you are an unrestricted free agent the next year. But you're leaving a fair bit of money on the table. For example, in the qualifying year, the qualifying offer would be around $13.4 million. In that same season, the 2022-23 season, I have Luka making $34.7 million from the Mavericks. Oh my then goodness. that's over $20 million away, right? It's going to get a lot bigger. Because if he became a free agent, he would be signing a very different sort of contract than the one he would sign in Dallas. The reason he can make $201 million on a five-year extension is there are a couple of provisions built into the CBA to ensure that he signs that contract. The first is the Derrick Rose rule. That allows certain young players to make more, 30% of the cap rather than 25%. So that's why he would start at $34 million. The second is the fact that you get five years from your own team but from outside teams, you can only get four years. And then the last important piece here is that you can get 8% raises annually from your own team and only 5% raises from other teams. So in that same five-year period, the years that he would be extending in Dallas, if he were to take the qualifying offer and sign a four-year deal with another team after that in the summer of 2023, I have him at $141.5 That essentially means that in the length of this contract alone, he was leaving $60 million in NBA salary on the table to leave for another team. And by the way, that is not all the money he would be leaving on the table because he would also be sacrificing Supermax eligibility on his next contract. So if I were to throw out an estimate at the money it would cost him, I would say in the grand scheme of things, it projects to be over $100 million. So Luka Doncic is staying on the Mavericks is what you're trying we to say. We would presume, and by the way, when they lost Game 7 to the Clippers, he was asked if he planned to sign that extension. And he didn't directly say yes, but he certainly indicated it. So again, we want to make this perfectly clear. He is probably staying in Dallas. We think he's staying in Dallas. But there's enough smoke out here that we think there might be a fire. So we are just covering our bases here and saying if he really wanted to leave Dallas and the Mavericks would not cooperate on a trade, he has a way out. It would take him two years from now, and it would cost him around $60 million on his next contract. That's what it would take. We don't know how dedicated he is to that. We don't know how much money he really, like, we don't know how much he's willing to leave on the table. A, we also don't know how much would he make in another market. Like, our boss, Adi Joseph, he mentioned this to me on Twitter. Yeah, he would be leaving NBA salary on the table. But what if he went to New York or L.A.? 
how much would he gain in endorsements? It's a great point. And I mean, I, I think things would have to get really bad in Dallas, like for him to just be like, I'm out, like I'm going to leave that much money on the table. I know, like you said, you can make it up in some part with endorsements, but you also have to think, even if this guy's in Dallas, I mean, he's so, in terms of international appeal, he's probably the, you know, what, number three, two guy in the NBA, maybe behind LeBron right now. So uh, I don't think that that would be a huge factor in, in terms of leaving. Um, but I think, obviously, with the, the figures that you mentioned, by the way, pressing the cap, man, this is this is tough stuff. So I hope everyone recognizes how difficult all that math and stuff that you do and bringing Derek Rose rules into it and things like that. Um, no, but this was surprisingly straightforward compared to some of the other ones. I've had some very complicated, restricted qualifying offers to deal with in the past, but I, I do. I, I think that the likeliest outcome here, if we're getting this alleged statement tomorrow that when you're listening to this, you might've already gotten, I, I think there is a chance that he says, I am not going to extend now, but I'm not taking that off of the table because it's worth noting short of like paralysis, or getting struck by lightning. I don't think there's anything that could happen to Luca next season that would take this offer off the table. So what he might honestly say is, I am not ready to extend at this very moment. I want to see what you do as a team that makes me think that extending here is the right option. So right. in theory, he could just extend next year and it would be the same contract. But if the Mavericks are going to convince him to do that, they've got to have a pretty good offseason, right? Right, and I think that's what this podcast is mostly about, is figuring out what can the Mavericks do, uh, not only to make Luka happy, but just to be better. I mean, I think it was pretty clear. Um, you have a great article on CBS Sports right now basically laying all of this out, so if anybody wants to check that out, uh, I encourage you to do so. Um, but basically, you talked about Luka's minutes during that first-round series against the Clippers, where they were a plus seven in his 284 minutes. And in the 52 minutes that he was off the court, 52 is not a lot in a seven-game series. They were outscored by 43 points. That is their only two players in the modern NBA. Well, I guess three if you want to count regular season. Stephen Curry in the regular season is like that. In the playoffs, the only two other players that come to mind that tend to have differentials that big are LeBron James and Joel Embiid. Right? Like, that's staggering. Right. So that tells you, one, Luca's freaking amazing. And two, when he's off the court, they just cannot figure it out. I got to witness this with the Warriors a lot this year, too, where it's just when Steph was sitting, it was a disaster. And it seemed like that was kind of the same thing with Dallas. And, I, you know, that's it, it, it's not always I mean, we've seen this with like guys like James Harden, where it's not always just that they're bad players. It's just that when your offense is so predicated upon one player doing so much. Sometimes it's difficult for those bench guys to find a rhythm uh, when that guy's off the court. So, Quick question. We've now seen all of these injuries in the West. Obviously, Kawhi, we don't know when he's going to come back. Mike Conley hasn't played in the second round. Chris Paul's in the health and safety protocols. Donovan Mitchell's himself. If Dallas had won game seven against the Clippers, would they be the Western Conference favorites right now? Uh, I don't think so. I, I, I think, but I it's not crazy, think, right? It's not. No, it would be close, and it would definitely like it could change depending on how they played. But I think Phoenix and Utah are probably still a cut they're, above. They're that. better, but if Phoenix doesn't have Chris Paul and Utah, Utah didn't have Conley this entire series. If the Mavericks had played the Jazz, 
and the Jazz didn't have Conley that entire series, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that Dallas could have beat them. I wouldn't have picked them. I'm just throwing it out there that, like, if a couple of different things bounce their way, we might be talking about some very different things in regards to the Mavericks. Maybe, uh, you know, Donnie Nelson still has his job and Luca's not holding press conferences from Slovenia. Maybe we'd be doing Paul George trades right now. I don't know. Like, <laughs> yeah, we certainly would be. be very different. We, oh, we 100% would be. Uh, Playoff P, by the way. Just quick shout out. Dude's ball. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and say we're not doing any Paul George, Paul George fake trade podcasts. I think yeah. we've, we've evolved beyond that. That, <laughs> that meme is dead. Um, but back to Luca. So let's talk about their offseason this offseason. They'll have cap space. They're not quite at the max. But if they make some trades, and as you know, I am a big proponent of trade Dwight Powell. It comes up every third podcast. Let's get rid of them. They can get pretty much as close as they need to. What are your suggestions for what they should do this offseason with that cap space? Uh, boy, it's tough. Because, I mean, you look down the list of, you know, quote unquote free agents like Chris Paul. We don't know what he's going to do, but uh, he's, he's got to resign. Right. Probably not an option. Uh, Mike Conley. All indications that he's probably going to go back to the Jazz, right? I'll point this out, though. He, he probably will. When he was last a free agent in 2016, he did meet with the Mavericks. Okay, so they'll have a very nice meeting, and they'll hoist his Mavericks jersey to the rafters and all that stuff. And Question. Like, will, Thank you, guys. Will Chandler Parsons be at that meeting? <laughs> he's in Cancun just permanently. Do you think they're in quarantine? He just got sent to Cancun and, and is staying there forever? So my question is, why hasn't some team hired... Um, Chandler Parson is like director of player introductions or something like basically just as a networker. Just be that guy. Just just yes. be the guy. Yeah. I mean, he's probably just not interested in that right now. He's probably got other things on his mind. Maybe as he gets a little bit older, you know, ages out of that, that beautiful body that he's got. Just, I have an existential question. You know how in college sports they do hire full time recruiters, right? Yeah. And they get they get busted for giving for giving recruits money. But who recruits the recruiters? Are there like Uh, higher level? Are there recruiters specifically for recruiters? That's interesting. Like a headhunter for a headhunter. Right. Somebody's got to hire the headhunter. Well, I I don't know. I I don't think it's that far fetched if you're an NBA team to hire recruit hire somebody to specifically recruit. And I don't know, like the guy who hires Chandler Parsons, that's a pretty good pretty good gig. There are tampering rules, there, so you'd have to, you know. Okay, we got to get back. Which everyone yeah. abides by. Uh, yeah, speaking of tampering, uh, Kyle Lowry, <laughs> next on the that's, list. That's the one that we like, right? Or that's the one that we think would have the biggest impact as far as helping their defense, which was bad this year, without getting in the way of Luka's offense. I think so. And, and just getting that kind of, you know, like we talk about, they're so bad with Luca off the floor. You could stagger those two guys where Lowry is kind of handling that bench unit. Uh, so you at least have some sort of stability there. Um, I think that makes sense. It's a veteran guy who I think Luca is probably, you know, uh, not looking for these young prospect type guys. If he's going to get uh, towards the goal of winning NBA championship, a guy like Lowry makes a lot of sense, but um, the Raptors didn't trade him. Um, I think that clearly means they either want to resign him or they want to do some sort of sign and trade deal. Um, and can uh, what can the Mavericks really offer in terms of a sign and trade? They don't have many young prospects. I guess Josh Green, their first round pick, Tyrell Terry. I think he was number 32 overall last year. 
they have like young guys that maybe you'd be interested in a second draft candidate. Uh, maybe Maxi Kleber, maybe Josh Richardson. Like there isn't a super appealing trade option there unless Dallas wanted to give up first round picks. The problem with doing that is give me a drum roll, Colin. You know what I'm about to say. Here it comes. The Stepian rule. I think it's been, a, it's been a few podcasts since we've had that one. It feels good to get it back right? in here. Yeah, it's been missing. So the Mavericks owe 2021 and 2023 first-round picks to the Knicks. The problem is that 2023 pick they owe to the Knicks is top 10 protected, and it's top 10 protected for several years, which means the Mavericks can't trade first-round picks in any of those years and the year after the the protections expire because of the stepping rules. So if the Mavericks want to trade first-round picks, they have to remove the protections on the 2023 pick they owe the Knicks. They can't do that now if Luka might leave. <laughs> so I don't really see a likely scenario where they're trading a first-round pick. It would have to be players if they were making a deal with the Raptors. So if that's the case, it might be kind of hard for them. But I'll point out, Kyle Lowry is unrestricted. If he wants to go to the Mavericks, he can just sign with them outright. It's true, but you know it, you know how these things work. If he has a chance to kind of help Toronto, I'm sure he would do that. Right, but I don't think he's going to let them dictate his destiny. I don't think he's going to say, like, wow, this team is offering you more. Let me go there. I think he's going to make the choice for himself. I will say, if you're looking for a way to win the non-Luka minutes, Kyle Lowry bench units are like, it's like life or it's like death taxes and Kyle Lowry bench units. (laughs) Those are the three certainties in life. Kyle Lowry bench units, like, he's been doing it since, like, the Raptors were babies, since, like, Pascal Siakam was a G-leaguer. That dude will always be able to win you some bench minutes. So if that's your goal, I think Kyle Lowry is the right target. His other former teammate, DeMar DeRozan, is another guy that comes up here. He's not as good defensively, and he doesn't have the track record of leading bench units. But if you're just looking for another shot maker, I think there's a good argument that you sign him. Are you, uh, if you're Luka and you're 22 years old or whatever, and they're like, hey, Luka, I know you said you needed some help. Guess who we're bringing in? DeMar DeRozan. Is that is that getting you excited? Is that making you sign on the dotted line? I'm just going to throw this out there, and I'm going to try to be as nice about it as possible. I think players don't always necessarily take the long view on these things, and I don't think players are always like super thoughtful about the nuance involved. Like, There's a reason that Jamal Crawford is still getting all-star votes from players to this day. Right. Like there's just certain guys that like players know and respect. They have names and they're just like, oh, I'm excited to play with that guy. Like Carmelo is a guy like that. Damar is a better player than Carmelo right now. But I think he's most importantly for the doubt for Dallas's sake. He's a name that Luca would know and respect. So I'm not saying it would necessarily be the best move. But if you're just looking to pacify him for a little while, I think getting DeRozan could make sense. I also want to lay something out that I suggested in the, the story that I wrote which was if you're Dallas and you want to play the long game here, which I don't know if they can, considering the Luka situation seems to be pretty delicate, but a a path you could take would be to sign, whether it's DeMar DeRozan or Kyle Lowry, whoever, big free agent X this offseason, sign him to a three-year deal. Because in three years, Chris Stapp's Porzingis expires and you have no money on your books. So you would go into the summer of 2024 either with one or maybe even two max slots. And you know who's a free agent in 2024? Here's the list. 
Devin Booker, Carl Anthony Towns, Jamal Murray, Pascal Siakam. I'm forgetting, guys. Like, it is a loaded class, at least in theory. As we've learned, those classes don't always materialize. Guys sign extensions. Guys get hurt. Guys get traded. Whatever. Not all of those guys are going to make it to free agency in 2024. But odds are a couple of them will. And if their goal is to win, they probably want to team up with Luka. That's a great point. And it's also a great point that a lot of those guys will probably never see free agency in 2024. So I think, you know, we're talking about these are the potential free agency options. Um, The elephant in the room and, you know, which is probably I don't know if I would say the most the most the easiest way to get Luka help would be to trade Chris Tapps for Zingas. I don't know if it'd be easy at this point because of his contract and his health situation, but he is the by far the most quote unquote talented player on the roster and therefore could fetch the most in a trade. Okay, but my counter to that is Porzingis is owed a hundred million dollars over the next three years. Who wants that contract? That's negative value, right? Well, we don't know if it's negative value. It's it's the only t- it just takes one team, right? Right. Well, I would change that to it takes one idiot, right? Like, <laughs> I, I think, don't get me wrong. I, I just want to be clear about this. I think Chris Porzingis can be redeemed. I think Dallas has essentially turned him into a spot-up shooter. And if he was on a team willing to feature him more, I think things could get better for him. I don't think that he's ever going to be a star. And on that contract, I don't know. Like, I'm just, I wouldn't be super, super eager to take him on. I do have some fake trades for you, but I assure you, you're not going to be super excited about most of them. Well, yeah, because you just said Porzingis is negative, so I don't think anybody who's going to be trading for a negative is going to give you anything of substance. But yeah, let's hear it. We've talked about this one before, Porzingis for Kemba Walker. This is the one that we like for both teams, right? We've gone over this. Yeah, and I think, to your point with DeRozan, like, hey, we're bringing in Kemba. I think that's universally loved in the clubhouse, like just a great guy by all accounts. Uh, injury concerns, yes, but so does Chris Stapps, So He um, seems to want a fresh start. He met with Dallas, or I don't know if he met, but Dallas was interested in him in 2019 free agency. But the real advantage of this trade, if you're Dallas, is that Kemba's deal is one year shorter than Porzingis's. So essentially what you're doing here is if Kemba works out, great. But really, we are gearing up for 2023 free agency instead of 2024 free agency. And that's basically the situation I have with all of these other names. So let's just speed round through these other ones. Brad Bach from Close Your Ears, Andrew Wiggins. How dare you? Warriors wouldn't do that, do you, you don't think? No. Well, no. Probably not, but like you wouldn't close the door on it. It, it. Only if they were able to trade Wiseman for something like win now. Then they well, might what, be like, yeah. I'm imagining a scenario where they trade like Wiseman, all their draft picks, and like maybe Looney, whatever salary filler you need, or, you know, a fourth star. And then they trade Wiggins for Porzingis. And suddenly Porzingis is your fifth guy. That's pretty interesting. Yeah, and obviously, I mean, you know, the idea of a stretch big uh, being able to play with that group um, is kind of tantalizing. So They've never and, really had one, right, aside from Boogie? Like, they've never had, like, a true center-sized guy who made threes. No, they just kept trying to get those those vertical spacing, like, Damian Jones types for, like, years. 
And that just never worked either. So eventually they settled with Looney, who is neither a shooter nor a vertical spacing guy, but he's a yeah, good player. I think I think the biggest reason that they're not going to make this trade is that they need Wiggins' matching salary for a star. Because Wiseman and Looney and their minimum guys, that's just not enough. So that's why I don't think they'll do this. Maybe and, they're and a, Wiggins had a really good year. Let's you know. Well, that too. But I'm just I'm saying like practically speaking, that's a holdup here. Maybe right. you could do it as a three teamer, but I, I doubt it. Here's where things start to get really ugly. Porzingis for John Wall. Oh boy. Nobody, that's not, nobody. That's not getting Luca excited. <laughs> no, and it's not getting the Rockets excited either because they don't want to pay Porzingis for three years. Right. That's the whole point, right? They don't want to pay anybody anything, <laughs> ever. So, let me. This is the disgruntled shooting big man trade. Porzingis for Kevin Love. It's not crazy You're thinking about that one, right? Not yeah. Cra- well, yeah, I mean, well, I'm just thinking about like you saying they're basically using Porzingis as a spot up three point shooter, which at this point in his career is basically what Kevin Love is. Um, Kevin Love probably isn't going to complain about that role, given his station in the NBA right now. He did it with the first Luca. He did it with LeBron. Right. And they won a title. So and he made yeah, one of the so, best faces of all time. Now, I think that if you're. If you're Cleveland, you've got to give something else up because Kevin Love is like, for all we know, he might be a replacement level guy right now. Like, I think there's some hope that maybe he could get to a contender and be rejuvenated like Blake Griffin was. But realistically, like, I think you've got to throw something in. And here is the one that I just dislike the most, but I'm just throwing it in there. Porzingis for Steven Adams. Right. That's the that's the right reaction. I think Porzingis makes some sense for the Pelicans as a shooting big man next to Zion. But like. What are you really doing if you're trading for Steven Adams? The Pelicans just traded for Steven Adams and they're not happy about it. That's like that's like the trade that ends up happening. Like when right. everybody's excited, like, oh, Kristaps Porzingis has demanded a trade or whatever it comes out as. We come up with all these crazy ideas and then they're like, Porzingis for Steven Adams and a heavily protected 2027 pick. I mean, I, I don't, I don't know. Like, I think something like that is feasible because New Orleans seems a little desperate. Like, we're not talking about it today because a billion other things happened. They fired Sam Van Gundy today, right? Like, the organization is not in a great place, and I think they're very much on the same page now that they need to find shooters for Zion. Well, Porzingis is a shooter, and he doesn't do much else on defense, but he can protect the rim. He's super tall. So I think that's an interesting fit. This is what we talked about, too, with with Zion basically being in the same – kind of category as Luca, where this guy is so good already, so young. And with Zion, you have the added kind of pressure of his body and is it going to hold up? So, you know, maybe firing Stan Van Gutty was a, a sign that, look, look, we can't afford to wait around another year with a coach that we don't think is the right guy. Let's go ahead and, you know, push all our chips in. So if the answer is trading Steven Adams for Chris Teth Porzingis, I, I think they'd consider it. If you don't want Steven Adams, can I interest you in a barely used Eric Bledsoe? Lightly used? Like, uh, yeah, the, he's, he's got look, there's some the tread one? on those tires. Pre-owned? 40, they, don't say, they don't say used right, anymore. Right, excuse Pre-owned. me, yeah. Um, you know, like, lightly used, I don't know, however you want to describe it. I don't know, like maybe Eric Bledsoe he could rejuvenate himself in Dallas a little bit, maybe. Kind That's of. Just, yeah, I'm just like getting glimpses of like a worse Jason Richardson, and that's not getting me too excited. Jason Richardson, that's a throwback. Oh, I I do that all the time. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, did hey, that on I did that on HQ once, and I texted the producer afterwards, and I was like, dude, I think I said 
Jason Richardson instead of Josh Richardson, and he just didn't well, respond to me. We've all we all do a million radio hits. Like anybody in this business, we, we talk a lot. It's just it's so easy to mix these names up. Yeah, especially like so, guys, the Jays. There are so yeah. many Jays. There are a lot of Jay Richardsons, and you know anyway. Um, the broader point here is that I think that there are some Dallas fans who are saying things like, can we get Porzingis? Can we trade Porzingis for CJ McCollum? Can we trade Porzingis for, you know, insert pretty good veteran or, you know, younger guy with some upside? I don't think that's going to happen. I think with that contract and that injury history, and let's just say it, Porzingis is off court situation. I, I just don't think that he is a particularly valuable asset right now. Frankly, I don't know what their relationship is. I don't know if Luca wants him out in pure basketball terms. I think you kind of just have to ride it out. You just sort of have to say, look, we know this is uncomfortable, but you know, you're under contract. We want to try to make this work. Maybe we can figure out a way to make Porzingis, you know, more happy and more comfortable here. I just, I don't see an alternative for them at the moment. Do you? No, probably not at this point. I mean, you don't want it to get to the point where Luca's like uh, he has to go. Um, but there are there have been reports that their relationship is not very strong, and um, that's not uh, you know exclusive to Luca. There've been other players who Chris Stepps have kind of rubbed the wrong way, and Luca's clearly. You know who we did get along with though? Who's that? Carmelo Anthony. And Let's you know get what? Him to, get him to Portland. Right, Carmelo's a true hooper. Like. I don't know. Maybe there's just like a group of guys that like Porzingis and some just don't. Yeah. But I mean, we've kind of, you know, been not bashing Porzingis, but kind of treating him as this kind of albatross contract. I mean, the guy when he's on is one of the more intriguing players in the NBA, his ability to shoot from deep uh, when he does put the ball on the floor and he he dunks with his chest above the rim. Uh, When he's engaged, he can be a very effective rim protector. I mean, there's a reason he got the contract that he did. So uh, there's a, there's always a chance that he can stay healthy and, and we can see that version of Porzingis for an entire season. And suddenly you're like, wow, maybe this guy can be the number two or, you know, maybe number three on a, on a championship team next to Luca. Well, let's also just point this out. It's right now, as we have this conversation, the Milwaukee Bucks are down three, two to the Brooklyn Nets. They might come back. I think there's a decent chance that they do, but I think there's a scenario where Giannis signs that extension last offseason. I think we said this at the time, even if he wanted to stay in Milwaukee, there wasn't much reason for him to sign then because he would have gotten the same contract either way. And all he really did was deprive himself of flexibility. The Mavericks were betting that he wouldn't want to deprive himself of that flexibility. They created Max Catface this offseason, expecting Giannis to be a free agent. And considering the problems that Luca and Giannis are having right now, it seems like they could have solved those problems for one another. There was an outcome here where things just worked out perfectly for Dallas, and they signed Giannis, and everybody was happy. Like, they had a good plan. The plan just didn't work. What do you think they were trying to do to, like, sabotage Milwaukee's contract negotiations with Giannis? Are they, like... Like putting like anti-Greek flags out in Milwaukee, like around where he's well, like his apartment or something. Remember when the Clippers were like sending scouts very visibly to Raptors games? <laughs> I would love it if they could just like send Rick Carlisle in a fake mustache to sit courtside at Bucks games. Like, no, that's my cousin Rick Carlisle. <laughs> <laughs> Brick Carlisle. What a, 
What they, could just get, they could just get uh, Jim Carrey to do it. Nobody would be able to tell the difference. Oh, right, exactly. But yeah, give him a trench coat and a fake mustache. Okay. Is that Ace Ventura sitting courtside? They'd never know because he had a fake mustache. Total plausible deniability. Great actor, too. Um, so, but, yeah, that, do you think, like, imagine... So let's say Milwaukee loses this series, and obviously that last loss uh, was in very embarrassing fashion. If that happens again, and Giannis hasn't signed his extension, like, could you imagine the the rumors and the the, the heat that would be coming out of that situation? It'd be crazy. No I don't want to be the guy who says, "Oh, he definitely would have signed with Dallas," but I mean, I'm not Giannis. I don't know what he wants. I don't know what his goals are. Yada yada yada. I think if he had become a free agent. After this series, the way that it's gone, and if it ends badly for the Bucs, I just don't see how you can talk yourself into that team as a championship contender. Like, if you're if you're Giannis, you kind of have to think, my best chance at winning a title would be with a guy like Luka, right? A shot creator, somebody who can handle the late game offensive load. And if you're Luka, what really happened in that Clippers series was he was great in all the first halves, and because he had no help, he wore down in the second halves. Well... Giannis could take a bunch of shots off his plate so that he'd be great in the fourth quarter as it would work out perfectly, right? Like, on one hand, we have a guy who can't score in the fourth quarter. On the other hand, we have a guy who's perfectly suited to if his teammates would let him. So the fit would be perfect. He would have done wonders for their defense. But obviously, Giannis is re-signed in Milwaukee. And a very good plan by Dallas kind of went up in smoke. And now they just don't really have an alternative. So, again, I'm going to say this for the millionth time. We don't expect... Luca to leave Dallas in any way, shape, or form in the near future. I'm going to put this out there. Let's say tomorrow, Luka Doncic says, I would like to be traded, and we can get past all the politics, we can get past all of the, they shouldn't trade him, yada, yada, yada. What are the packages? Who are the teams? What happens here? I know what I'm going to say, but I'm going to let you go first. My goodness. Um, without having done the the math on it, I mean... Are we trying to make Luca happy here, or are we just like, he wants out, we're getting rid of him? He wants out, we are taking the best package we can get. Now, keep in mind that Luca might say, like, I don't want to go to this team, and that might scare that team off. But let's just say, hypothetically, he says, my goal is getting out of Dallas, I will extend with whatever team I'm traded to. Uh, Washington for Bradley Beal. Colin, you are thinking way too small. What? You want to know, can I... Do you want to skip to my trade? I, apparently. Oklahoma City for all the picks. All and I mean the picks. All of them. Everyone. All 17 of their first round picks. 17 first round picks for Luka Doncic. <laughs> Colin, who says no? Who says that's that's the name of the podcast? I think that is that, the peak of the, the sentence who says no. That might be a walk off who says no. Yeah. Like, we just can't even discuss this trade now. So. Uh, Answer me this. Who says no? Well, you'd have to get some sort of like matching salary in there, right? Okay. Al Horford. <laughs> Al Horford and 17 first round picks. Well, no, uh, I guess well, I'll tell you what, because Al Horford has a bigger contract than Luca at this stage. So Al Horford, 17 first round picks for Luca and Dwight Powell. <laughs> because yeah, Dwight Powell be in this trade he's got to be in every trade i think uh i think sam presti says no because he's gonna find a way to to fleece them in some way he does not not give up all those picks if he could get luka Doncic right now 
to pull the plug on all of the first round pick, he does it. If you have Luca and Shea Gilgeous Alexander, it's Luca and what though? Like, why is that a better scenario than Luca? Aren't, aren't you just the Mavericks now? Lou Dort. And by the way, they have all the cap space too. If you have Luca and Shea Gilgeous Alexander, you could recruit some guys. You're still Oklahoma City, and you have no draft capital now. I don't care. If you have a chance to get Luca, I just say you do it. And by the way, there's a similar version of this trade that New Orleans sends all of their picks. I don't think Dallas does that because New Orleans with Zion and Luca would just win 10 championships. But let me throw this out there to you. You're the Pelicans, and maybe Zion doesn't seem super happy. What about Zion for Luca? That's it. You are just like, this is such a different universe of, of thinking. But I'm like, yeah, maybe they can get Bradley Beal. You're like, trade trade Luca for all the picks. Trade why Luca does, for Zion Williamson. Wait, why does Bradley Beal resign in, in Dallas if Luca's not there, though? He just doesn't. Maybe he loves Chris Stapps, like Carmelo. I, I don't think that's going to be the case. My point is, we are talking about, I mean, let's be honest. We did a podcast, I don't know, a few weeks ago. We talked about Luca as maybe the best player in the NBA. He's 22. If you get this guy, I, I don't think it's an exaggeration to say this is the equivalent of acquiring 2006 LeBron James. That's it. Like you do whatever it takes to get that guy. I think if Luca got traded to Oklahoma City, he might just fly straight home to Slovenia and just never come back. We're assuming for the sake of the game that he's <laughs> that he's willing yeah, to accept. I mean. To be honest, this is probably the same thing in Washington. So, um, so but let's, let's let's go to this New Orleans trade. Do you think Luca for Zion? Who says no? Can they both say no? I mean, I guess if they're if they're both adamant about leaving, sure. I mean, we, I, Zion is not at that point yet. He's only in his second year. It's more just like I think if you're in New Orleans and you have a chance to turn. Zion, who is a high-risk, high-reward prospect, into Luca, who is a low-risk, high-reward prospect. You maybe think about it. Yeah, I mean, I, I think we both agree that Luca is the guy, like in the league, who you know the question: oh, if you're starting a team, who would you pick? It's Luca. Like that's the answer. There's really no one else in the conversation at this point. Um, as great as Zion is, uh, I think one, he's a guy who needs obviously a lot of shooting and kind of a, a secondary ball handler around him. Uh, Luca, as we've seen, is a one-man offense. You don't need to worry about that. And then Zion with the, the injury concerns. You know, I know he was healthy for the most part last season, but I think those are always going to be there with him. So um, Zion's really, really good, but if you get a chance to get Luca, you got to do it. Those are the unrealistic ones. I think – I hate that I have to say this. I apologize to our small market listeners. The real answer, if Luca, if he requested a trade, and it's so funny considering the Porzingis situation, is that it, he would probably push for the Knicks. And it would be R.J. Barrett, Emmanuel Quigley, Mitchell Robinson, all the Knicks picks, and yes, Dallas's picks back too. That's the one. That's right. Like, that's probably I think what you it found would be, it. right? I mean, I don't think it's a fair trade. I should be perfectly clear. Right. But, like, on the off-off chance that Luca requests a trade, the stars have kind of aligned for the Knicks. I think that, I mean, Luca clearly wants the big stage. He clearly wants to be the guy. He already is almost the guy. Um, there's no better place to do that in New York. And now that they're 
a competent team again, a competent organization again, if he, in this crazy universe that we've devised where Luca has demanded a trade, I think New York would definitely be toward the top of his list. If Luka Doncic played for the New York Knicks, I would just say they could handpick whatever free agents they wanted, right? Like, they'd be able to find another star, no problem, next to him. I, yeah. I mean, again, it would be so funny considering the Porzingis situation. And, I mean, man, talk about for years, the Knicks desperately try to sign LeBron. They desperately try to sign Kevin Durant. They desperately try to sign all these guys. And all it takes is one competent year for a superstar to be like, yeah, let's go. That's all it would have taken over all those years. The Knicks are back. Let's go. Uh, I'll throw this out there. This this isn't a serious one. I just want to see. I just want to gauge your reaction. Luka Doncic for LeBron James. I thought you were going to say that when you were talking about you're thinking way too small. That was the first thing that came to my head. Was like it wouldn't actually happen, but like, I mean, if you're Mark Cuban, you'd probably think about that, right? Like, as far as these bad trades go, because there is no such thing as a good trade for Luka. If you had LeBron for two years, like that's something. Absolutely. I think they would think about it. I mean, Wait. do you think the Lakers would do it? No, that's that's. I don't think the Lakers would do it. I just think you would lose too much credibility among superstars. And really, you know, who says no is LeBron. He would just retire. <laughs> yeah, I'm out. I'm not playing for Dallas. Sorry. I mean, it's fun to talk about the, the Lakers trade because, like, man, you imagine a better partner for Luke and Anthony Davis. Like, that. that's the perfect. It's weird to say sidekick for a player as good as Anthony Davis, but I guess that's the the scenario we'd have to be in. But like, honestly, we've talked about a bunch of fake star trades over the past, you know, year or so along, or along we've been doing this, this podcast. There isn't really a team aside from Oklahoma city that has enough assets to trade for a player like Luca because players like Luca don't exist. Would you trade 2005 LeBron for anything? No. <laughs> like, of Is course it, you wouldn't. Uh, I mean, unless, he said, like, all the scenario that you laid out, like, I want out, I'm not signing, I'm taking the qualifying offer, and I'm getting out of here, so you better get something from me right now. Well, I'll just also ask this. Say he didn't want to extend. How valuable do you think two guaranteed years of Luka is? Does that change the calculus at all? I think it would for Oklahoma City, but I'm wondering, like, is there a contender, like a short-term contender, that would say, we don't need you to extend? We think we can win a championship with you in the next two years. Let's do this. Like, who do you think that would be? Miami? Do they count? Because Dallas <laughs> is trading Luca for Tyler Hero. Can they do it? I don't think. I mean, look, Pat Riley is pulled off. I don't even want to say crazy. Well, yeah, actually, Pat Riley has pulled off crazier things. He signed LeBron. Um, but I think that's just a bridge too far. Boston? Jalen Brown? Jalen Brown, all the picks. I don't know, maybe. I think that's semi-feasible. If you had Tatum and, and Luka, you're in pretty good shape. I think that's possible. Um, throw, your Kemba, throw your Kemba Porzingis like a, a deal, too. So he, like, Luka, we're sending you to Boston. But well, they can stay together, with you. yeah. <laughs> if you, you guys weren't friends in Texas, maybe you'll be friends in Massachusetts. Yeah, like, no, anything but that, please. Any Is there any traction whatsoever on Ben Simmons? Anything? No, God, no. I, has any player's trade value declined more over the past two weeks, three weeks, however long? Does Giannis count? Well, Giannis would never get yeah, traded. Does he have so. trade value? <laughs> Giannis for Porzingis, who says no? Is Giannis a negative value contract now? 
I feel, I wish that there was like a Skip Bayless for our profession, like specifically for NBA roster moves, who was like super adept to these things and like could do that. But I think that task falls on us. And unfortunately, no, Giannis is not a negative asset. Yeah, no. I, I'm, I'm trying oh, to... I got a good one. I've got a good one. Okay. Devin Booker for Luka Doncic. Ooh. Send him to Phoenix where he always belonged in the first place. It was his destiny. Chris Paul Denver? still there? Yes, Chris Paul is still there in the scenario. What about Denver? Pair him up with, with Jokic. What about... Well, honestly, Luka would probably extend at this point. So if you're Denver, you could go all out and say Murray and Porter for, for Luka. Yeah. Is that the trade? Did we find it? I mean... Maybe. I mean, if, he, if, if Luca definitely wants out, I don't know if you're doing a whole lot better than that if you want to stay competitive. I mean, you're, you're staying young, you're staying competitive. I'm sure Denver would give up picks, too. And this, to be clear, is in this scenario, Luka Doncic has said, I want to play with Nikola Jokic. I will sign whatever. I'll sign an extension. And Jokic says, yep, I want that, too. I'll extend, too. You have Jokic and Luka. Congratulations on your dynasty, Denver. Like I've got nothing else to say. Could you imagine yeah. those two shooting and de- shooting and defense around those guys? That's it. Oh my god. What about uh, Portland for Dame? Dame's too old. I mean, beggars can't be choosers. I'll I'll be honest. I've talked myself into this Denver trade. That's it. So, Closing the like, book. That's it. We've I, gone through like every with, team in the NBA. <laughs> well, it's like I did with with Lillard and Golden State. Once I stumbled on that. It was just like game over. This is the one that I want. And I don't think Luca's going to get traded. I'll say for the millionth time, if he really did want it, it, the answer is Denver. It's 100%. Murray and Porter, plus picks, plus whatever else. Anything but Jokic. And then you're good. That's it. That's the trade. Okay. Well, if, as we've said, Luca doesn't demand a trade, he's on the Mavericks next year. Uh, is Chris Tapps Porzingis on the Mavericks next season? I think this is an Occam's Razor situation. I think the simplest answer here is that they can't find a trade for Porzingis where they get anything of value. So they just hold on to him and they just say, we'll try to figure it out during the season. And I think they'll be unhappy about it. But frankly, I think money talks and I don't think Luca is going to pass up 200 million. So I think he's just going to sign it and he's going to say front office, you know, take care of me. He's also very like soft spoken and not, uh, you know, doesn't really talk a lot in the media. I'm wondering what level of frustration it'll take for him to start like using the media to voice his concerns. My counter to that is that because he doesn't really use the media to do those things, we have no idea how frustrated he really is. Right. But I think organizations might really be at the boiling point. I think organizations are more comfortable keeping that stuff in house. And then once you go public, then the fans are onto it and then people start taking sides and it becomes a real issue. So we'll, we'll call this the last question of the pod. What do you think is going to be on this statement tomorrow? <laughs> it's so weird because, like, if he was just going to be like, oh, I really liked Donnie Nelson. He's a big part of my life. I wish him luck in his future endeavors. Like, can't that just be like a Twitter statement or an Instagram well, statement? Like, why do you why need does that have to wait conference? a day? Not even yeah. a pre- like, why do you have to wait a day? Why do you have to say I will speak on this tomorrow? Right. It's really weird. And are we, I mean, again, we probably shouldn't talk too much about this because it'll probably be over by the time this podcast uh, gets posted. But like, are we sure this is happening? I know I heard Mark Spears say it. 
Um, we don't know that it's happening to be yeah. clear. I mean, Mark Spears is as credible as it gets. Right, right. But, I believe like, this is a fluid the situation. plan is to do it, but I'm not sure right. if it's actually going to happen. If it could have been just my, a spur-of-the-moment thing. My, my official prediction would it would just be something like, I'm sorry to see Donnie Nelson go, something like that. If I had to get a little spicier, if you said, Sam, throw in some detail that you think is going to turn this into a story, I guess I, the, the only thing I can think of is, like, I'm not going to extend right now, but that doesn't mean I want to leave the Mavericks. It just means I want to keep my options open and see what the team does. Yeah, I think it'll probably be some sort of kind of open-ended, like, uh, you know, I, I really I'm like John Nelson. But, right, I'm disappointed yeah. in this decision, but I'm I'm open to seeing what direction the franchise is going. Like, something that, that clearly tells them, like, you need to make moves now. Yeah, exactly. Like, saying a lot without saying anything. Right. Just kind of wink, wink. Hey, guys. All right. You fired my guy. So this better be good. I mean, look, as, as a traffic core, I'm just going to say it. I'd love a trade request. I just think it would add so much to this offseason. Which, frankly, great. like, remember when everybody re-signed their extensions and we were like, oh, offseason 2021, it's going to be pretty dull. After the way the last week has gone, I feel like anything is on the table. Absolutely. With all the injuries in the playoffs and all the kind of odd, weird performances that we've seen and comebacks and blowing leads and stuff, it's going to be crazy. We'll do, we'll do a separate podcast on Milwaukee if they lose, and we'll do a separate podcast on Philly if they lose. You could convince me of anything with those teams. <laughs> you could convince me that, like, they just decided to merge and become a football team. Ooh. I would buy that. Like, man, that's that's kind of the point I'm at with some of these weird losses, but... That'll do it for us today. I mean, man, we, we, we'll see what happens with Luca tomorrow. We suspect it will be pretty quiet. I, I don't think this is a story that's going to blow up. Frankly, when in doubt, if a player is going to leave, it's just usually not going to be at this stage in their career. It's usually going to be at that year seven, year eight mark. So we don't think anything's going to happen. But if it does, we will be back with another podcast. If it doesn't, we still will. It'll just be a little later and less urgent. So, Colin, that'll do it for us today, and we will be back, I don't know, maybe later in the week, maybe next week. We'll see. <laughs>